You're listening to a Roddenberry Podcast. Well, friends, what do you say we catch up over some science, some science fiction, and some powerful libations and give thanks for it all? It's Monday night. It's 10 p.m. Eastern. It's 7 p.m. Pacific. It's 5 o'clock somewhere, so it must be time for Mission Log Live. I'm John Champion. And I'm Norman Lau. Tonight, we welcome back to the show a very special guest who happens to be the science consultant for all the new Star Trek series on the air. We'll be teching the track with her a little later. And we're also going to meet someone who has been hard at work lifting the restrictions on Romulan Ale. That's right. Give us a call right now to join our conversations tonight. You know what to do. Click on the Zoom meeting link or use the one tap from your smartphone or call us at 669-900-6833 and enter the meeting code and our esteemed Earl of the Green Room will let you in. Or is it Earl's Green Room, or is it Earl Green's Room? I, I think it's the Earl Green Room. That's what All I'm right. going with. In fact, we should probably get him a little sign for that. And I carved that out of mahogany for him. Yeah. And the thing that I like is that wherever Earl goes, it's always the Earl Green Room. No matter where. Yeah. So, uh, all right. I'm very happy to see that there are so many people who have joined us in the live chat tonight. People are already excited to meet or maybe re-meet or just hang out with Dr. Aaron again. Uh, so we will get to her momentarily. And uh, everybody stick around because you know the drill. Normally, at the bottom of the hour, we do a little ad break. Tonight's break is going to be a little bit different. I'm just going to say... Um, I've got something here I want you all to see. So we're going to get into that oh. in a little bit. Can't it gives wait. me chills still. I, right. <laughs> I know. <laughs> and uh, Norman, I'm so happy about tonight's show because there are so many times on Mission Log that you and I will say, well, eh, this is great discussion and everything, but we actually need somebody who knows something about science to chime in. And we've been saving it all up. We get to do that tonight. And of course, all of you get to do that tonight by leaving your comments in the chat and by calling us, by clicking on the Zoom link. And uh, speaking of all of you, let's say hi to the people who are there right now chatting with us. There's Jim, there's Paul. I imagine the other Paul is right behind that Paul, not physically, but virtually. Uh, there's Narda, there's Jane, there's John Arminio. Good to see you as always, my friend. There's Kim, there's Ryan. Uh, let's see here. I really do enjoy hearing this warp core. Ryan, does that mean you've got like a the the twenty four hour hum of the Enterprise D like going. <laughs> yeah, like so let me tell you that sounds yeah. so good on my home pods and stereo. That's mm -hmm. oh yeah, that's good stuff. All right, there's Matthew all the way from Japan saying hello to Doctor Aaron, and he says uh, opening up the office as usual at the moment. So I'm listening from just a few hours in the future. Let us know how the future is, Matthew. I appreciate that. Uh, there is other Paul, just as I suspected. There's Alan. There's BC. Damn it. BC see every time in YouTube shouting Alamorain just because he knows it will get to me. All right. So BC, <laughs> glad to see you there. Kind of, maybe. There's David. There's John Cooley, of course. Wonderful. Cooley. Glad to see you, Cooley. There's Eddie. I mean, so many people say it. Scott Paul, my friend, you said, are you buying, John? Well, all right. For you, my friend, Sure, but you know that that means somebody else has to buy my drink. I, it's complicated. We'll mm -hmm. do it in Vegas again this year. Uh, so wonderful to see you all. Chain shouting hooch, and then uh, Dr. Mohammed Noor. So hang it out. That's awesome. Very happy to see yet another person of qualification. Norm, you know what that means? That means tonight 
mm-hmm. on the show and in the audience, a grand total of two people who are qualified to talk about uh, all topics, scientific and Star Trekian. John, I have, to, happy. I have mm-hmm. to slide this in here. So are you telling me that we have reached our possible threshold of people that can talk about things? Stop. I'll quit the show. I'll quit the show right now. <laughs> I just, that's what'll happen. <laughs> you know, I had to get that in there. You did. Yeah. Uh, by I the don't way, feel hi. good about it, but I had to do it. Yeah. Uh, hi to Sam and uh, BC in YouTube. Ju- he says, tell, Al- uh, tell Aaron Alamorain for me. No, no, I won't. Mm-mm. I will not say Alamorain to her for you. Uh, all right. Good to see everybody there. Norman, let's do a quick catch up on what's happening on Mission Log this week. Uh, you handle the back end stuff. I'll just say right off the top, there will be no Mission Log this week because as you all know, we drop our shows on Thursdays. This Thursday is Thanksgiving, uh, mm-hmm. unless you're not in the U.S. Look, if you're in Canada and you had Canadian Thanksgiving, eh? Hope it was great. Um, I still want to know it's not a Canadian Thanksgiving table, by the way. But there will be no mission log this week, uh, but that's okay. Those of you who get the show early, you will get that next Wednesday. And then for the rest of you who get the show on its regular Thursday, you will get that the next Thursday, December 1st. So hang tight. In the meantime, send us your comments, your questions, mission log at roddenberry.com. And uh, then maybe we'll work that into another show or a discussion on Discord. Remember, you can follow us at youtube.com slash Roddenberry Entertainment. Norman, what would they find there? Well, I mean, aside from some great programming, you would also find like our newest release for Star Trek Prodigy, which is going to be released tomorrow. Yes. Covering episode 14, Crossroads. Big episode. You don't want to miss it. Ashley B. Robinson and I had a fantastic time covering it. And a couple of hot takes and a lot of pop culture references, which is what we are want to do. So you can find it there. You can also find Mission Log Engage, which is our it's our feedback show. John and I read comments when they come in, emails, and um, some of them are wonderful. They challenge us are a little bit uh, hot topics, hot takes, and uh, hopefully we'll get some in there soon. So you can also find that on the Roddenberry Entertainment Channel on YouTube. Yeah, so Mission Log Orville, Mission Log Engage, all those great things. And remember, if you need to find the uh, the clearinghouse for all of this stuff, just go to podcast.roddenberry.com, and that is where you will find all of our shows and how to connect with us there. Uh, Heather already saying, I want Romulan. Oh, no, I'm sorry, Narda saying, I want Romulan ale now. We'll get to it. We'll get to our promise. And Heather, nice mm-hmm. to see you in the chat. So, look, without further ado, I say we welcome our guest who is so, kind and generous with her time and such an awesome part of the Star Trek community as a professional and as a fan. And I love geeking out with her. Welcome to the show, Dr. Aaron McDonald. I'm so happy to be here. Thanks for having me. We're thrilled to have you appropriately from the bar on the Cerritos. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what I try to do. Yeah, it's it it fits the mood. What can I say? Very nice. Um, can I ask you something right off the top? So uh, there is so much Star Trek happening. You've got uh, you, of course, are the consultant on Picard and Strange New Worlds and Lower Decks and uh, uh, Prodigy and Discovery, of course. <laughs> um, are those 
are, are the needs of those shows just completely out of whack? Like one takes up all your time. See, what I picture is like lower decks. They just don't even care. Like we're going to turn somebody into a bug and you're fine. Okay. Yeah. And they just go do it. But uh, are some of these shows a little more, do they take their science a little more seriously or they're all about the same? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. Absolutely. I think all, I mean, people know, you know, there's a rolling release of these shows, right? And so mm-hmm. in the same way that we're getting them on a, you know, now pretty regular basis, which I got to say is pretty awesome, um, that also fills up my time in that same rolling progress that some shows, you know, they'll be filming while the next ones are writing, while the next ones are in post-production. Um, but absolutely, I mean, if you were to line them all up, I always like to say on the spectrum of like science to fiction, any show is going to land differently than any other sci-fi mm. show. There's just, you ask the showrunner kind of, where do you want your show to live? And they're going to give you a totally different answer. So you're absolutely right. Like <laughs> Lower Decks is off the wall app sure let's do it and my role is to just make sure we don't say anything wrong and then as a star trek fan i'm gonna like you know give a voice to someone who wasn't in the room but also loves the nerdy stuff that they're doing and uh but then you have a show like discovery which is like okay these are scientists who are sciencing so let's try to make this like as accurate as possible let's show the life of scientists And then for a show like Prodigy, which is airing right now, it's Mm. less about, I mean, it's absolutely about making sure that the science is right, but there's also an element of like educating kids because of the target audience Mm -hmm. for Prodigy. So we're looking at like, from a STEM education perspective, what can I contribute to try to help meet that need so it's all it's a very unique for every single show that's that's a really interesting idea with prodigy because i i hold that show and i know norman does in such high regard because of its ability to talk to kids and share these really great just fundamental star trek ideas and at the same time you can ask an adult audience to suspend disbelief about something. Say, look, they have warp drive, they have transporters. Okay, now let's go tell stories. But within that, if we're doing something that is scientific, there has to be a point where uh, an adult could say like, well, yeah, maybe, maybe not, but I'll give it to them if we can. When you've got kids though, do you feel like it's a different sort of responsibility that, okay, now now I actually have to give them the real science here. Because if yeah. I don't, I don't want them to grow up with the wrong idea. <laughs> right, yeah. right. But we're, we're also introducing a whole world of Star Trek science that is fictional. Yeah. Right. So if you remember when they first discover the transporter, and I think it's like even a cold open where they're just playing around with how the transporter will work. You have to put yourselves in the mind of like kids who have never seen a transporter before. And sure, it's all fictional. They kids are smart. They know it's a show. They can suspend disbelief. They are like that. When you tread that line, these showrunners, Kevin and Dan Hageman, are like very good at introducing it in a way where it's like this is story and this is science. And with the story aspect of transporters, you still see them being like, how far can we get it? Can we do it outside the ship? What do we need to do it? You need to have the comm badge. Like all of those little things just set the rules for kids who have never been exposed to this stuff before. That's right. when they were transporting pies around the protostar. Yep. Which was 
awesome. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Hey, uh, I, I want to jump into our live chat. And by the way, I know that we got Paul and Alan lined up as callers. So thanks, guys. We will get to you shortly, I promise. Dave, Dave, by the way, take care of yourself. I, I'm sorry to hear that you are under the water. But he says, here's a question. Of all the Star Trek shows you have consulted on, what subject matter that we've already seen did you find the most challenging and or interesting to consult about? I mean, yeah, that's a great question. Thank you. Uh, I saw Professor Muhammad Noor in the chat as well, and him and I both worked on the science of the burn and for season three of Star Trek Discovery. And I would say that was probably one of the most challenging for me. Not only was it very early on in my role as a science advisor for Star Trek, but um, I did a lot of science for dilithium. So that was a matter of like looking back. It was marrying these worlds of like particle physics, which is sort of my background, but not really. But also looking at the long-standing canon of dilithium and making sure the science that we were baking into that story didn't counterdict anything that had already come, you know, anything that they'd already said about dilithium. So that was probably one of the biggest challenges for me was like that weight of being like, oh, we're adding to the canon of mm. like dilithium. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. like, take this seriously. <laughs> right. Right. That, that, yeah. I guess that raises like another question. Like when you're when you're starting to add on to kind of like the 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 canon of the science, how much like uh, how much does uh, that influence how far you're going to go versus uh the history that has come behind it because it's either going to be like an incremental increase or it's going to be we're going to just go forward and just add the future to the already established future yeah and uh, that's a great question i think a lot of it was actually the latter just because even though dilithium has been around for a long time there are some rules with it but there wasn't much established for what exactly it was so like for example we had never said explicitly whether dilithium was its own thing called dilithium versus a weird dye molecule of lithium, which like mm -hmm. in mm -hmm. modern times, our modern understanding of chemistry can't exist. Like that's not a thing, but is that something that could exist in the future? So we had to take what we knew from what Star Trek had already said and just say like, we're going to take this to a whole other realm but like most of my role is just making sure we don't say anything wrong, whether that's scientific or whether that's honoring past canon, making sure that we're not counteracting anything that's already been said about it. Got it. Got it. By the way, some great comments here. Uh, uh, Mohammed Noor is saying uh, that your dilithium ideas were epic, really ingenious. <laughs> so folks can go back and watch this absorb. Just watch it for the dilithium, you know? Um, and then, uh, oh gosh, uh, some other really great comments here. Ryan Can you get asked, to uh, to David Majors because that's one of my favorite comments too. Oh wait, wait, yeah. wait, David, oh, go ahead and bring it up. Oh, oh, I see. David, David Majors says, "I wanted yeah. to say that I love seeing Rock Talk doing math equations and the equations showing up on the screen." Of course, and of course, yeah. Sam, our listener, <laughs> went the extra mile and put that together in a chart with what the equations are and what they mean, and I I'm still blown away by that uh so bravo all around 
was that a you thing or was that the producers saying like here just fill in with the math or no that was that was a me thing i always hesitate yeah. to take credit because obviously it all comes down to the showrunners and the amazing people who come to this but absolutely they were like we need we need equations <laughs> yes. and establishing you know i'm very grateful a lot of a lot of the star trek shows that i've worked on i've come in late into the day only prodigy and strange new worlds was i involved on season one you know so mm -hmm. um so for prodigy just being that integrated that early on is really rare for a science advisor most people kind of test the waters see how the relationship works see how you uh take the information and you give the notes back and and try to make sure there's a good working relationship prodigy was like Yes, Aaron, please come help us. Just everything. We're going to develop Rock Talk. We're going to make a little scientist. We're going to have all these kids do science. Um, and we're going to have all this post-production and how things look. And so for that scene especially, you know, I remember when we were first talking about it, it's a great episode, um, that what she's really doing is orbital dynamics which is a really hard science. It doesn't <laughs> sound that hard. That's freaking hard. So noting that that's orbital dynamics and then adding in all of the things and just saying like, Aaron, we could use a lot of equations for this. So I'm <laughs> writing out every single orbital dynamics equation. And it's, it's, I love, I love that the fans go through and check everything, but also, Oh, oh, no pressure, man. <laughs> because I don't know, like if I accidentally drew or wrote something wrong, that right. could be torn apart. So oh, no. it's a it's a community that you know it's a small team of very talented people, and we are fallible. So I ask for that respect, but I'm very grateful that the fans get into it and love that that effort's being put in. Right. Mm -hmm. Like I, I like doing that work, but I also love the fact knowing the fans are going to pay attention to that, that they're not just like, oh, yeah, equations. Sure. That's probably right. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> they actually Excellent. check it because I took the time to make it right. You know, good, good. Well, hey, uh, now is a great time if you want to call into the show and say hi to Dr. Aaron and pose your most difficult science questions, of course, or just geek out. You can do that, too. Uh, but we do have some people lined up who uh, want to say hi. And first up, it's Paul. Uh, Paul, not not the other Paul. This is Paul. How's it going, Paul? It's going excellent. I'm I'm spending the week of Thanksgiving with three of my favorite people online. Um, John and Norman, of course, you know, from the show here. But Aaron, uh -huh. my wife and I met Aaron a few years ago in Colorado. She was not associated with the show yet. She was this lecturer. And we both looked at each other after half an hour of, you know, magic Aaron on the stage and just said, wow, <laughs> she, she, she's going somewhere. And holy cow, yeah. has she? In fact, in fact, you go to your local Comic Con and you, you run into an artist named um jk woodard who comes out with this book and guess oh, what you know what? when you get really close if we look oh, at the bottom what? line here yeah, yeah. Special, oh, special guest, guest appearance by aaron yes. mcdonald nice so, so i'm gonna give aaron a chance now to talk about that one but yes. i see you have a book out is this true i i do thank you paul <laughs> hi <laughs> no it's so great i just uh, yeah i I just want to take a moment to really credit. I think a lot of people in the chat and a lot of people that I met along the way 
you know, I got my start at conventions. That was honestly how I got started doing this. A lot of people ask me, how do you get a job as a science advisor for Star Trek? And for me, it started by uh, missing teaching when I left academia and taking the time to go to conventions and teach the science behind science fiction. And that's where I got to meet all of these awesome people that then led me to Star Trek, that then led me to be an advisor for Star Trek. And since you plugged it so nicely, yes, I do have a new book out called Star Trek, My First Book of Space. <laughs> yes, it it's for a, that. It's a board book that is for all ages, especially down to zero to two. Which, let me tell you, writing an astronomy book for ages zero to two is a fun adventure. <laughs> That's so cool. But thank you. I really appreciate that. But that did, did that prepare you at all for like writing for Prodigy, writing for those specific age groups? Yeah. And, and actually, I, I'm glad you, you mentioned that because I think a lot of, you know, when I left academia, um, one of the first jobs that I got was teaching at a science museum. So I was what's called like an educator performer. And I had done a lot of work on the stage. I used to be a dancer and then I got into some acting work. And so it was a perfect job for me. But it was such a good experience as a science communicator to work in that sort of environment. Because all day, every day, you're talking to like five-year-olds who've just learned about black holes and retired aerospace engineers who want to know about the latest Mars mission. And all of those skills of learning how to say, I don't know, learning how to look things up, learning how to distill explanations to reach different levels, um, all of that really prepared me not just to write a book like this, but really to do science advising. Because I work with writers who come from scientific backgrounds, but I also work with writers who have zero science background. And so trying to match those levels and trying to make it relatable and and how to figure out how to fold things into a story that can quickly be distilled into like one line of dialogue. All of those skill sets build on each other. Excellent. And, uh, by the way, uh, the people in the chat who are saying that they want to buy this book, uh, David wants to get one for his two-year-old nephew. Heather is saying that she bought a bunch uh, for uh, a new baby niece. And uh, people are asking, where do they get it? So go, go ahead and plug anywhere- away. Anywhere books are found, I recommend bookshop.org because that connects to your local um, independent bookseller. So you can find this book and uh, just search for Star Trek, My First Book of Space. There's also a companion book called Star Trek, My First Book of Colors, written by my friend Rob Perlman, who's written a lot of great, fun Star Trek books, perfect Christmas gifts or holiday gifts. So highly recommended. Thank you for asking. (laughs) Nice, nice. Well, Paul, Michelle just said she literally just ordered it. So (laughs) I just wrote it it down. I I have, uh, we have several friends. uh, I have a specific friend who has about a four-year-old, so it's going to be perfect for them. But you got to consider that as you age, sometimes the two to four reading level is better so if i I may briefly i will also (laughs) plug that like i have a lot of friends whose kids are sort of between five and seven and they also enjoy this book despite being a little bit older than a board book the words are pretty advanced and a lot of kids that's right when they're at their peak love of space and they're getting Mm. to learn things like what a nebula is and an exoplanet so um, I'm finding that a lot of kids that age like actually reading the words. So, um, but thank you. 
Sorry for the shameless plug. See, well, no, look, to... <laughs> and, and it's great because like a four or five-year-old, he's skipped to the back of the book where Dr. Aaron describes the existential horror of being <laughs> trapped at the point where time stops outside a black hole and how you exist and don't exist at the same time. That's, I mean, really, that's that sweet spot for getting kids really interested in science. You know, so, I've, yeah. I've, I've seen Erin yeah. there at DragonCon when she did four talks in one day, and I was, just, <laughs> I was walking with her between buildings, and she's a amazing and i swear that that was close to a black hole i've ever been and i was just watching so <laughs> but I, I do have one burning question you know um since we last saw you in uh denver i believe okay star trek bingo you know on on the uh a strange new worlds the bingo game they played uh, did you have anything to do with that? And if you didn't, what would have you added? Because oh, we, we are always looking, we're looking for things, so you know, good. challenging things to do at our next party in Las Vegas. Um, so perhaps, <laughs> perhaps you could enlighten us as to what we may want to consider. I'm not getting shot with a phaser, Paul. I draw the line at that. <laughs> oh, yeah. Norm, it's coming. It's coming, yeah. Norm. Right. I love that. I um, Oh, that's a good question. I didn't have anything to do with it. I loved reading it. I, it was delightful. Um, what would be on my bingo card for being on a starship? I think messing with the artificial gravity would be mm. if you can uh, quickly adjust the gravity such that it messes everyone up, but quickly adjusts. Nice. <laughs> that would be on my bingo card. <laughs> I love that. That's so well, cool. Yeah. We'll do our best to emulate that with everybody laying on the ground after they've had some of this, this new <laughs> yeah, yeah. nail coming up. Um, <laughs> and one last thing. Are you following the uh, new mission to the moon at all? I imagine you'd probably take a little video of that. Yeah, the Artemis mission. I It's awesome. I'm just I'm watching like everyone else. I can't wait to see how it goes. So if you haven't checked it out, I highly recommend. It's the furthest. We've sent a spacecraft of this kind. And um it's very exciting to lay the groundwork for future crewed missions beyond the moon. So, yeah. Exciting, exciting stuff. I'll pass yeah, along to uh, the break and whatever else is coming. Yeah. Aaron, it's always great to see you. John and Norman, happy Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving. Paul, take care, friend. All right. All right. Take hey, it bye. easy. Hey, uh, before we go to the break, and, and this is just perfect for our crass commercial section of the mm -hmm. show because we're not really going to talk about our Patreon. We're not really going to talk about Discord, but everybody out there knows about it. Patreon.com slash mission log. That's how you get into our Discord. Somebody in the chat, Jim, just said there needs to be a real Star Trek bingo for fans at conventions. Well, Jim, <laughs> let me tell you right now, among the many, many projects that we, we try to get off the ground week after week here, producing the shows that we do um there was a thread about mission log bingo and it still exists in our discord we've got enough time now because well there's no seattle uh but we've got enough time now <laughs> leading up to vegas for sure there was talk of t-shirts lanyards the whole thing with mission log bingo you too can participate we can get this together for next year i am certain and if you join our patreon and then you go over to discord you can contribute your own suggestions to mission log bingo so that see that got that part of it out of the way right there they got that part of the crass commercialism out of the way thank you all for indulging me in that but now now mm -hmm. we get to welcome a guest and we get to talk about a product norman how happy are you and i that we have star trek spirits and star trek wines as part of the mission log family now 
Well, I mean, this is really exciting. You know, we we met Craig and uh, we met uh, the the staff of uh, Star Trek Wines and Star Trek Spirits in Las Vegas. Had him on stage with us in the Roddenberry stage, and there's there's a product that we're going to talk about. John, you have those products in your hands. Oh, I am I jealous that I, I don't. Do. And I'm actually yeah. like I'm I'm trying to like I'm they're in my hands in spirit in yeah. spirits <laughs> spirits yes. And uh, you know what? I can't do any more justice to the description than what you have like right in front of you right now so well, i think I, I, here's what we're going to do we're gonna w- welcome uh, craig to the show it's craig spurrier from star trek spirits and star trek wines craig oh looks like you're muted i want to make sure that you are not but he has a great background he does have a great background craig welcome yeah. to the show thank you thanks for having me hey, hey craig good to see you again yeah yeah uh so we're so thrilled to have uh you all as part of the sponsorship from mission log and uh you were very kind to send i just need to show this off here okay i'm holding in my hand (laughs) romulan vodka and it is gorgeous in this reproduction bottle of what you saw in star trek 2 okay craig you've got it too yeah that looks like the rye oh this is the rye, yes. You got the rye. Okay. Mm-hmm. So here's what we're going to do. I also have the rye. <laughs> and uh, I popped the top on this. I want to say that it gave a very satisfying noise when I popped the top off of this earlier. Now it's now it's been loosened up. Uh, but I'm Ooh, taking that, that off. Good. I know, right? It, it's like glass top. Okay. And I have a Starfleet glass. There you go. NCC1701. Oh, this is a live tasting by yeah. Mr. John Champion. Oh, no, Are you going to give us the Kirk face? Right. I give you the. Mm. Yeah. Mm. All right. So, uh, Craig, as I'm giving this a sniff, tell us what is in this bottle. So the rye, uh, it, it's an ultra premium rye. It's been aged two years in an oak barrel. Um, so we've been uh, working on this project for about two years now. Um uh, starting with the, the the bottle, which was the most difficult part of the production process. But the spirit that you're drinking is an ultra premium rye uh, from Kentucky. Um, it just It took us two years to, to barrel. Uh, we have a um, mixer or a distiller that we've been working with closely to get uh, the right flavor and balance as well as the potency, because it is, it is a, a Fifty percent alcohol, so it's a hundred proof. Nice, it is, uh, it is strong. <laughs> of- I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> yeah, well, you only uh, use it for medicinal purposes. Only for though, medicinal right? purposes. <laughs> it does wink yeah. In the okay, senses. carry on. <laughs> yes, it does wink in the senses, and uh, it is very smooth for a hundred percent rye. It is so. Uh, not going to lie. Yeah, this is really nice. I thought that this was going to be a lot sweeter, and I'm glad that it's not because I don't really like sweet alcohols. It is strong, but it really has a smooth finish. And I can see drinking this on its own or with a very clever cocktail. I think mm-hmm. this would lend itself to either way. Um, by the way, so Norm, I know that you got to try the vodka in Vegas. In Vegas, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Aaron, did you get to try these? I have Wait. not, and I'm sad. <laughs> well, you know where I am. So I, yeah. I coerced my partner just to 
pour me some whiskey. <laughs> I was feeling left out, so I have some. Okay, that's what we do but, on this show. Uh, yeah. So good, good. But wait, well, hang on. I don't want to get too far off track. But what are you having? What what whiskey? Uh, this is an Auchentosh and Three Wood. So, Ooh, nice. uh, yes, right. I know. I, like. I could, yeah, mm-hmm. pontificate on its properties but that's not what we're here for so i'm just going to enjoy it <laughs> nice you know what i love john so watching yeah. you drink that it almost looks like you're actually drinking a prop that's okay. i think the, the great thing about this whole thing it's like the illusion yes. of drinking something from the star trek world it's it's yeah. there in your hand and and let me thank you craig and everybody else and you, you can tell us about the bottles and how these came together here in a moment but that's what i love this sitting on a shelf doesn't mm-hmm. say Star Trek on it. Doesn't say Romulan Rye on it. Now, on the back, you get a little bit of the history, and that's fine. But this, on its own, just looks like something from the show. And what I love, somebody online earlier was asking me about uh, about these drinks. And the vodka looks very much like the Romulan Ale that Kirk has. It is that color, right? And they're like, but but what's in the rye? Is that just a painted bottle? Like, no, 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 no. Go back to the Enterprise incident. And look at what Spock is drinking. It is that color. So you not only have a match for the bottle, but you guys match the colors of the liquor as well. Right. I mean, the original characteristics of Romulan Ale were, were sky blue and uh, and going to dark midnight blue. So we chose the sky blue as the vodka uh, and the dark midnight blue as the rye uh, to distinguish the two. Um, but very characteristic of of what you see on set um, in Star Trek II, Wrath of Khan. Um, and then we worked with um, Jeffrey Lombardi, the, the prop master for Picard, to get the bottle shape um, right. And his comments yesterday were, you guys, I love your attention to detail. This is the best Romeo and Ale bottle I've seen. So we're, we're very passionate at making sure that we create products that are in-universe, and are pretty much show prop replicas that that come to life. Nice, nice. And yeah, the, these bottles were not easy to make, from what I understand. No, we yeah, very difficult to make because of the stepped pattern. Uh, and pulling that out of the mold was very difficult. Um, we exceeded um, the uh, I guess what they call it the three um, percent yield that you you get when you're you manufacture something and half of our three percent just doesn't make make the cut oh wow. um, but so it took it, you know a, a lot of trial and error on the mold um we had bottles that were tilted a little bit the the bore was very difficult to and the bores were how the the topper seat fits and seats into the bottle so it was just uh, a time a very time staking process yeah. uh but we got it right you knocked it out of the park and in person when you see the gold stamp on there it's just absolutely beautiful and look the whole reason I mean, it's not just because we think you're a fine human being and we love talking about cool star trek props but you guys are cool enough and nice enough to sponsor our show now and you have gone above and beyond by offering uh something very special so i do know that star trek spirits.com just went live today like i i checked it in the morning it wasn't there 
check in the yes. afternoon, boom, it's there. All right, so you can go there, you can order. I saw you, Dr. Aaron. I saw the double, yeah, you're, you're being yeah. cool with this, right? You can go to StarTrekSpirits.com, and we have a special code, very easy to remember, Roddenberry. That's who we are. That's where we are. Use the code Roddenberry, 10% off at Star Trek Spirits and at Star Trek Wines. I believe there is a special uh, token that they can get by ordering at Star Trek Wines. And we'll talk about that next time as well. Right. Mm-hmm. But yeah, we just launched a few hours ago. Um, we've gotten over a, a couple hundred orders in so far. Um, so 180 of those are our audience. Thank you audience for that because we love sponsorships. <laughs> yeah. Right. yeah. Use the run very, uh, as your coupon code and get 10% off. Um, Fantastic. And love to support you guys. Thank you. It, it sounds like such a line to say it makes a great gift, but I mean, seriously, this is the kind of thing that I will order for myself. And as a gift, because it is that cool and it's really good. I'm just going to sit here and have a little more during the rest of the show. I was going to say, you're about to get a few more orders. I know. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, it looks exactly. great on camera. The color looks great. You know, you look great drinking great. it. The jealousy oh, thanks, is not buddy. a filter at all. Yeah, so, no. yeah. <laughs> Every sip is like a twist of the knife in the back. Exactly. You know, that's okay. I can't, I can't relate at all. Yeah, yeah <laughs> no, no, not at all. Uh, Craig, thank you so much. Uh, we're off next week, but then the week after, we'll have either you or Howard on to talk about Star Trek wines. Cannot wait for that because there's a bottle of Canar in my office that needs to be opened. So Perfect. thank you. Thank you. Um, and uh, any other uh, parting thoughts here before we say goodbye? Well, we will be um, sending out a, a booklet of uh, cocktail recipes with every order. Ooh. So we mm. have five unique cocktails for the rye and five for the the vodka. So oh my God, wonderful. That'll be accompanying uh, the orders as you purchase. Look at that. So many bonuses. You, you get our code. You get the book. It's a whole thank you. Thank you guys for being so awesome and for being so thoughtful and detailed about a product like this. This is sort of the, the kind of Star Trek collectible I've wanted for most of my adult life. <laughs> so thank you. Well, thank All you. right. Take care, Craig. Till next time. Craig, right, thanks, Craig. Great to have you on the show. Be good. Okay. Hopefully that George Dickel bottle is right behind it. Yeah. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, somebody in the chat, wait, wait, where was it? Somebody said, uh, are we getting Aldebaran whiskey? It's green. Uh, yes. So, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm sure you, yeah. I'm sure you have a lot of things that are in the works. So we'll, All right. we'll check back. All Thanks right. Craig, right. take care. Right. Uh, where were we? Science? Uh, that's uh, that's what it was, yeah. Although I, I, I am I am a little <laughs> right. envious of the Elkintoshin because that I do like myself, you know. Yeah. Thank mm. you, kindly. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. my favorite. <laughs> yeah. yeah. There's one thing I know about Erin. She knows her way around a good alcohol or two. So uh, yes, very much appreciate that. Bond. It's a reputation that. I'm happy to uphold. <laughs> <laughs> well, the last name like McDonald. You just. Yeah. Living up to uh, to what has been and said a, before you. A PhD from Glasgow, I'm pretty sure, aged my liver about 20 years. <laughs> <so>. <laughs> I have said this on the show before on the podcast. I said, if I ever had a chance to talk to Dr. Aaron, I said I would offer her anytime I see her at a convention, a drink or dinner or both. Mm-hmm. 
So mm -hmm. there Thank it is. Oh, happily take that <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, uh, you got not Seattle, but you know, we'll yeah. uh, next. No, yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> so, too soon. I know too soon. Too All right. Soon. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I tell you what, we will get back to the topic at hand, or at least you guys can while I finish this. And we will welcome our next okay. caller to the show, who is Alan, who has been so patient during the extended commercial break. Alan, welcome to the show. My God, guys. No, no worries. <laughs> that was fascinating. Um, I'll, I'll st I, I was like, well, I'll just sit and watch this. This is fine. This is, this is the show now. <laughs> hey, and you'll mean, be here soon. You, you'll be yeah. here soon. You might get to taste this. So, yeah. John, the, the last time I had anything called Romulan Ale, it was an energy drink, and the packaging was not nearly as fancy. So no, I'll take it. No. Was it a menergy drink? Yeah. It was something like that, yeah. <laughs> Romulan ale and gun. <laughs> By the way, uh, BC in the YouTube chat says, bring Aaron to Trader Vic's up here, John. Yes, a thousand times. Yes, that needs to be a whole group outing. I, I've been, not that everybody needs to know this, but everybody will now. I've been sitting on this ticket to go up to San Francisco because one of the last, I think it's the last Trader Vic's in the United States is in the Bay Area. And I need to go there something fierce so yeah deal yeah yeah I'm, make it happen i'm down mission log trader fix let's do it log trader fix exactly. <laughs> uh, all right alan love it okay mission fix make it happen <laughs> um yeah no uh guys it's, it's great to see you as always aaron nice to meet you um uh, it's a pleasure um uh, thank you for all the all the hard work that you do uh making sure that the the fake science is just as fun as the real science um <laughs> i love the the conversation earlier about dilithium uh to be perfectly frank it kind of brought me back to the headspace of like what a mark okrand does in inventing a language you're inventing science and you have to keep it consistent and that's that's something to be uh something to be commended i guess it's 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 really cool thank you i really yeah. appreciate that yeah it's um it's one of those things that seems like a really fun idea and then you realize the pressure involved <laughs> yeah. but, but, i mean but i am grateful because it even though it is sort of like quote fake science it's there is still a lot of backbone to it right there's it's rooted in a lot of real science and that's yeah. what's fun for me yeah that's cool yeah i um and I know that you you touched a little bit on um, lower decks previously, and I, I just just as the just as the sort of like goofy softball question, uh, more more fun Star Trek physics or cartoon physics? <laughs> I oh god, I love I love lower decks so much, and as we're both clearly sitting on the Cerritos, although you're hanging out with the cool people, I'm in the empty bar, so I don't know. <laughs> I uh, I yeah. It's just, I don't know, working on Lower Decks is so special. I was so grateful to, you know, like I said earlier, most of what I do on Lower Decks is very just kind of like, don't say anything wrong. I'm yeah. just going to check everything. Um, but the season finale of season two, where they go into the um, the star system and the primary ship gets disabled and they have to like go chase after it and like oh, figure yeah. out everything... I was able to do so much work on that. And it was, that was such a delight just to play with, there's no rules, you know, it's like, <laughs> all right, let's just, let's make something fun. And we really got to stretch the imagination of like, 
I think the brief was something along the lines of like, how can we make the ship look like naked C-3PO? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh my nice. God. Yeah. The, cause I mean, that's something that has never really been touched on before. The fact that yep. this, the ship has basically got a skin and you know, what do you do when you have to take off this, you know, you, what's underneath all of that stuff? Yeah, and I really got to dive into that. I was like, okay, there's outer hull plating. Like, what does that do? This blade of armor that we've had. Like, all of these things that we've kind of <laughs> heard about, what can we play with? And what are the limits with a starship that have been established? And then what can we do to build on top of that, right? Like, yeah. what more can we add that hasn't been mentioned before but can still make the story work? And in case people weren't aware, I'm just going to self-plug shortly, but um, mm. that was also the deepest honor of my life for Star Trek Lower Decks, uh, <laughs> to have Shax in the midst of everyone yelling at Lieutenant Kayshawn for coming up with a dumb idea to warp through the debris field for Shax to shout, Dr. Aaron said we can't do that! <laughs> <laughs> That yeah. needs to be a t-shirt, by the way. That yeah. Just that phrase <laughs> yeah. needs to be a t-shirt. Yeah, yeah. you can and hear then... it especially with headphones. A lot of people yeah. miss it because it's in the midst of a lot of things, but it is there. <laughs> Always yeah. watch the subtitles. Always. Yeah. 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 In Fred Tattashore's voice, no less. That's, yeah. that's amazing. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Oh, well, thank you. Yeah. And you spend that in the mission log bingo, so that's something you check <laughs> off on your bingo card. Yeah, <laughs> right. Someone Seriously. wear that shirt. Yeah, that's, that's, exactly. Yeah, that's that's a quarter square. That's that's very that's valuable real estate. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Alan, you. Alan, any other uh, thoughts or questions tonight? Oh, uh, just uh, no, just uh, just uh, excited to uh, to to meet you. It's been a pleasure uh, getting to to <laughs> share silly ideas about about <laughs> cartoons with you, and uh, uh, I see that. Uh, our good friend Sam is up next, so I, I'm sure he's got a lot of good stuff coming. Because oh, it's about oh, to get heavy. Yeah, yeah. watch awesome. out. Dis- yeah. Discord plug after dark <laughs> gets deep when Sam shows up. So yes, <laughs> yes. Well, thank you, Alan. It's been Absolutely. a pleasure chatting on the Cerritos with you. Yeah. <laughs> have a great Have a great night. Have a great holiday for for the for you. Have a great Thanksgiving where applicable. I'll just leave it at that. So. There we go. <laughs> Alan, good thank you Bye-bye. so much. Take care. Yep. And hey. a, a, a pun for Alan. Jane says, Norm, check off on your bingo card. Ooh. Oh, ooh, very good. Very good. Applause. Yeah, I appreciate well done, that. Applause. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, and before we go to Sam, good questions in the chat as well. So Jane, again, says, question for Aaron. How closely do you work with the writers uh, and creating dialogue? And I'm curious. I, I feel like maybe that's sometimes extremely one way, extremely the other. You've got a blank space to fill in, or maybe they have already created something you just need to tweak it or usually. Yeah, no, that's a, that's a great question, Jane. Thank you. I think um, like I kind of alluded to before, but a lot of it is a trust relationship. So working as a science advisor, there's a lot of writers who have had very bad experiences with science advisors who come in and they just say, Nope, that's dumb. Can't do that don't do it. And um, what's so important is for me to be able to yes and the process. And so initially, I'll usually start off by just getting scripts and just giving notes on those. But as the relationship grows, especially over seasons, I'll be invited more into the writer's room to work more closely with writers to the extent that they will just fill in like, 
Dr. Aaron will fill this in later. (laughs) (laughs) I think even I've heard stories of like back in the 90s that I think Frakes told me that they have the pillar filler. Right. Michael Pillar would just like make Mm -hmm. stuff up for them. Like that's kind of the equivalent of just saying like, well, Dr. Aaron will fill it in. And um, it's a couple of the writers who know me really well will just put in the like, the quantum quantumness of the quantum. Oh dear, <laughs> that's a code word for oh, me to just be like, yeah, uh, fix this. yeah now we're talking. That's, that's how you get lizard babies. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, yeah, because yeah, yeah. that's yeah. that, that's a flag for me to be like. Uh, 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 no. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So it um, is. It's really all about the relationships. It's really fun. Very cool. So we do have some great other questions here in the chat. David, I I love your kind of three-parter here. I do want to come back to that. Uh, Other David, I want to come back to you as well. But we do have Sam waiting on the line. So uh, let's hear from Sam. And honestly, I want you two to meet so badly anyway, because Sam, you did such an amazing job pulling together that chart based on Mm -hmm. Rock equation. That's Sam. Sam, how's it going? (laughs) Yeah, it's going all right. Uh, hi, hello, I, I had to call in and say hi. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> hi, <you did>. Sam. <laughs> <laughs> I am, first of all, flattered and also relieved that yeah. <laughs> it is a fully, I don't think people can fully appreciate the term love-hate relationship. <laughs> I still have had to go through this level of scrutiny. And I just, I... <laughs> deeply appreciate the effort that you put into for that and if you want to share what this context is for people who don't know (laughs) yeah well it was it's one of those things where i mean even when you see a lot of equations in shows you you can pick out like commonalities or like oh i recognize that from here or that from here but this was like one after the other i know that one i know that one i know that one and they're all related (laughs) to each other and that's very unusual um so that's what like i it, once I saw like maybe five of them, I was like, okay, now I'm going to go through one by one and see <laughs> if they actually all are real things or if I just noticed the ones that were real and they were all there. And so, yeah, because I, I, you know, I studied physics. I took raw little mechanics. So those mm-hmm. stand out to me. No, um, you know, as opposed to other sciences, you know, there's, there's a lot of science equations, but those ones stand out to me. So I couldn't miss it. <laughs> Oh, that makes me so happy. Yeah, I really, um, it was fun to work on. And it's one of those things, like, I don't think, I don't think a lot of people really can comprehend sort of the collaborative atmosphere, like for better or worse. It's one of those things where it's like, hey, Aaron, we'd love to have some equations for you for this scene. I'll put them together and send them out. I don't see the end product really until it airs you know so i'm just hoping that i made it as clear as possible and that they interpreted it correctly um and it's all again collaborative because they could look at the equations i sent and this has happened on other shows too where they're just like that's too long or that doesn't make sense or it's too confusing or too distracting and so i was just so so happy with how that scene turned out and yeah i'm i'm so glad that it got picked up from people to be like oh that's a thing <laughs> that's real that wasn't just cuz especially i think the bar is so low for kids shows for like you know the the sort of meme of like equations floating in front of my face and uh, and the fact that people like you saw that and they went, oh, no, that's like legit 
orbital mechanics <laughs> equations <laughs> working through just oh that makes me so happy so thank you yeah yeah well it, that's i think that's what surprised me too is like again i'm surprised by prodigy because it's you think it's a kid a, a show for kids they could they could do whatever they wanted um so the fact that it's there is oh it's almost more pleasing and because the other example that i i found from from that show is in the earlier part of the season um uh they're going through the the time warp and time amok. the time yeah. amok and and zero points out like oh here's a graph of what's going on and it, mm-hmm. by the way it's a signed uh damped off uh, or a, a damped sine wave is what she, what he says and that is a very jargon term that <laughs> does that i was just again shocked <laughs> to like yeah though i i do those all the time but <laughs> <laughs> and here it is on a kid's show. Um, yeah. That was amazing. Yeah. I'm so glad you mentioned that episode because, yeah, Time of Muck, I think, is I, it's such a classic Star Trek episode. Like, if people have been sleeping on Prodigy, at the very least, watch that episode. And mm-hmm. you're just going to be like, oh, no, like this is this is Star Trek at its core. Disaster happens, weird things throughout the ship. Everyone's working together, but across different dimensions to try to solve the problem. And legitimately, I mean, I've been working in Hollywood for like six years at this point. And that is the first and only time to this date that I have seen a graph in a script. (laughs) (laughs) And honestly, I mean, I give the credit to the writers for that episode, but you know, just being able to be like, oh, yeah, that's called a damped sine wave. They're like, okay, good to know. <laughs> right. But people and the way also, they integrate um, it. Yeah. I'm sorry, Doc, uh, but people in Twitter also took your, the temporal uh, illustration that showed all the different time passing, uh, all those different yeah. rings. And they, they broke those down too, in terms of, you know, Rock's larger outer ring moving slower than the inner ring that Jank and Pog was in. And they were doing like all the calculations. I'm not nearly qualified to even talk about it from an illustration standpoint, let alone what that actually meant. But there's math behind that, right? Did you have to do? The... There is. Yeah. Uh, honestly, honestly, it's not to the level of being like, this is the amount of seconds per second. And like, I love the fact that people go to that depth. But it's more, you know, because I also had people reach out to me to just point out, <laughs> as gently as Twitter can be, <laughs> that, like, <laughs> you know, Ruff is experiencing time slower and she's seeing plates move, gravity, and that wouldn't, that wouldn't be the case because she, it's relative, right? That she's experiencing that time normally. She wouldn't see it being slowed down. But this is those times where you have to be like, but you have to convey it and especially Mm -hmm. to the audience Mm -hmm. and for kids to be able to watch that and be like, okay, her time is going slower just from seeing a plate fall slowly. That's all you need. You don't have to get into any more deep level to it that like a six year old can watch it and just be like, Oh, okay. Time is slower for her, you know? So those are those times where it's like, we're not going to get into like relativity and the fact that technically your time is slower, but she's experiencing it at the the same rate than normally. Yeah. It's just, it becomes sad real fast. And honestly, even I would just cry in the shower. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not going to inflict that on an eight year old. (laughs) And, and I, I did, I tried. I tried to do the calculations. I I specifically awesome. looked at the graph. I looked at the y-axis. There were no markings, so I just had to go by the ticks. <laughs> and uh, and I 
the only references I had was like Jenkins Pog says like this thing takes ten minutes to explode. I'm like, all right, so the standard is ten minutes, and <laughs> and how long was like the short ones on screen, and then what was their tick mark? I couldn't make it work to feel like what did Rock Talk experience because that's the ultimate question. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it was e- it was either like the way I would either like move the numbers around was either like you know just a few hours or like <laughs> you know hundreds of years. I couldn't make it like a, a nice number, so I I still have no idea. How much time she That's okay. Through. It gets it gets dark real fast. <laughs> but but I love that you mentioned that because I do think that's one of my roles as a science advisor is to know when to not explain something and yeah. putting numbers on that y axis <laughs> is over explaining things. You know, and so it's just one of those things where it's like, sure, if you want to do the calculations gods be with you man (laughs) go go forth but to sit down and actually put numbers to that y-axis that gets to the level of like do we really need to go in this depth and are we really going to be like you know like digging ourselves a hole in the sense that if we put y-axis on there then people could look at it they could crunch the numbers and be like well it was only like okay, based on this, it was only eight hours for Rock Talk, which then destroys the entire emotional impact of that. And so you really have to reach that point where you're just like, eh, let's just, it is what it is. The story takes precedent. The emotional impact takes precedent. And um, and just to take another step back, we can criticize it all we want. It is a brilliant story idea. And just to have mm-hmm. a time-based disaster ship focused to be new and fresh in star trek after 800 episodes (laughs) is awesome is awesome and to have these kids solve it i don't know it's one of my favorite episodes so yeah i love the fact you dug into it and (laughs) yeah thank you fabulous sam thank you so much for calling you you did what you did on our discord chats you just come in mm-hmm. all mild mannered all calm you're like here i'm gonna drop all these heavy ideas right here in front of you all yeah. <laughs> thank you for doing what you do appreciate it and uh, hope that we uh, see you around again soon all, all right. right good right. yeah good to see you good Take to you, sam. friend right. be good all right, so I, I teased that I wanted to uh, save this last question here for the end of the show, and uh, I think it's so provocative and uh, and thoughtful. And yeah, it, it could be sort of uh, something very flippant, uh, but it's not at all. David Takeshi in our chat says, uh, so here's another question. After consulting for so many cool Star Trek shows, have you ever found yourself sitting down and wondering where will we really be in the 23rd, 24th, 25th century? How will things really be based on science? What were your conclusions? He says, okay, sorry, that's three questions. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, but that's where we are. And, and I, I love the heart of what David is asking there because – I was watching this thing today about the Enterprise being restored at the Smithsonian. They were talking about famously how Matt Jeffries uh, loved airplanes, and he's just extrapolating. What if you take airplane ideas, NASA ideas, projected a couple hundred years in the future? What are the elements that we can still sort of identify as being part of a flying machine, but something that feels futuristic, that's, that's real, that you can base a story on and get involved with as a character in the show? Um, and it just made me think like, 
yeah, the stories are great and everything, but if we're talking about Star Trek as this projection of the future, that must be an interesting place to live for somebody like you because you are you are trying to make real the things that are fantasy but also incredibly hopeful and important to a lot of people yeah. watching. Yeah, there's there's a lot of layers to that. I think that there's the philosophical question, which is really the the moving one, the one that gets to our core. There's also just the practical aspect, which I think gets driven by story and budget needs. I mean, it is right. Like where the transporter came from, right. Was literally driven by budget needs. And, uh, and then when they tried to, so it's like, okay, we need them to very cheaply get from the (laughs) ship to a planet. So we're going to shake a jar of glitter (laughs) and it's going to look great. Uh And then they're going to be on a planet. And then with the longevity of Trek, it's like, okay, well, we've established that rule. So how do they do it? And great scientific minds who came before said, well, science says no because of the Heisenberg uncertainty principle. You want to know where every particle is if you're going to move it around and we put it back together. Um, So the transporter has a Heisenberg compensator. Sure. (laughs) (laughs) How does it work? It works very well and they figured it out in the future. (laughs) Mm -hmm. That's fine. Um, And so that's more of like the practical aspect of building this tech for the future. Sometimes it's the needs of the literal budget affects all of those. Mm-hmm. Now we are reaching a point where that's kind of unlimited, to be honest, like the budget and the capabilities for CGI and even using these like virtual reality walls and all of that is just so advanced that we can kind of tell whatever stories we want. So where does the technology fall into that? And where do we see ourselves going i think for me it's really close to my heart because you know i when i got into science and when i especially went into graduate school i just wanted to be a member of starfleet Mm. (laughs) just (laughs) literally in my core wanted to be a science officer working in an astrometrics lab in starfleet like that is all i wanted to be and do and so thinking about that that core of humanity, like what drove me to watch Star Trek and feel that and then pursue that as a literal career, spend life, time, energy, emotions, pursuing that because of a television show, I think is just this innate desire to explore space. So when we think about like where our technology is going to take us, where our, you know, exploration of the universe is going to take us, it really comes down to that human desire to just go beyond. You know, I Star Trek started out as a space Western, <laughs> but even those at their core were humans exploring an unknown frontier. And that's what Star Trek has offered us. And so for me, when you think about the technologies and you think about where we can take these stories it's really about reflecting on where we want to be and what our capabilities are. Um, And not to end on too 
philosophical of a note because that's not who I am. <laughs> so like, I don't, I don't drop those bombs and then I'm like, yeah, think on that, humans. Um, you know, we did have to go through World War Three to get there. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. out of mm-hmm. out of darkness breeds a lot of uh, creativity and innovation, and I hope that that's not what's required. It might be. But I really do. I think what Star Trek offers us is the belief in humanity to just persevere and to keep exploring. And that's what's so exciting. So I love it. Fabulous. All right. <laughs> well, thank you, Norman. Thank you. We'll do this again very soon. And next, yeah, next time I'm going to be drinking the rye. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> uh, so remember, we're off this coming Monday. We'll be back the next Monday with Aaron Walkie from Star Trek Prodigy. So we'll talk about how his episode made me cry. And with that, Mission Log Live is produced by Roddenberry Entertainment. Technical production on Mission Log and Mission Log Live by the infallible Earl Green. Be sure to visit podcast.roddenberry.com for the latest from Roddenberry podcast if you'd like to support mission log directly give us a look at patreon.com slash mission log thank you to everyone who joined us live or later we look forward to chatting with you again in a couple of weeks this is a roddenberry podcast for more great podcasts visit podcast.roddenberry.com